0: The resurrection of the crucified Jesus brings transformation, a truth we celebrate every Sunday, but then Monday arrives with its unrelenting demands and distractions. In view of this perennial challenge, we invite you to join us for the day after Sunday, a weekly discussion between a preacher, Chris Costaldo, and a music guy, Greg Wheatley, on the implication of Christ's kingdom for everyday life. Chris, this is the inaugural podcast. Here we are, Greg. Yeah. We've talked about this a long time, haven't we? Yeah. Finally pulled the trigger. And, yeah. uh And here we are. It feels good. So
1: why are we doing this, anyway? Well, Sunday comes, we worship, we get to hear His truth preached, and then we step into Monday and we're asking ourselves, how can we live for Christ in the mundane routines? Hmm. So the idea is for us to have a conversation about those topics that we've considered in the course of worship. And, and together, hash it out so that we can understand better the way to live as God's people, the way to embody and,
0: and announce the good news. Yeah, and you know, something you just said about um, Sunday versus Monday, you know, it's really easy. And I know as people that work in worship, your pastor, music person, you know, it's really easy to, amidst the stained glass and the wonderful music and the Bible teaching and the prayers, to feel like we're We're doing pretty well here, but then you do you step into Monday and it's like, um well,
1: I don't feel so I don't feel quite so holy anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right and and also from a preacher's point of view, you spend all week studying, you have these ideas, but so much of it uh, winds up on the editing floor, as it were. Uh, And you want to tease out more implications, but Sunday morning doesn't always allow you to do that. So this is a chance for us to go a little bit deeper in considering what what is the significance of this or that idea. So the idea here, I think, as we go forward, uh, and we'll see, these things have a way
0: of taking on a life of their own, don't they? (laughs) But we'll see. I, I think the idea is that week to week, This is sort of like uh, kicking back with a cup of coffee on Monday and saying, okay, that sermon we heard yesterday, those prayers we prayed, that music we sang so heartily, what does that mean to me today and tomorrow and the next day as I walk through the week?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is, of course, in view of the fact that we can very easily see Sunday as the one day when we live in devotion, when we're consciously connecting the dots Mm -hmm. between what the Bible says and who we are. And of course, we want that to happen each and every day. So just as you said, that's our hope as it relates to the podcast. So we kind of talked about where to start with this first one, and uh,
0: I just saw a fascinating little video on YouTube, and I shared it with you, and I think you were fascinated, too. Mm -hmm. And we thought, well, hey, let's uh, let's kick this around a little bit Mm -hmm. and see how it might relate. Before we go there, let me just say, um, so you're going to preach on Psalm 8. That's right. As we're recording this podcast, we're a couple of days away from from that sermon, right? A couple of days yeah. is right. <laughs> and, and have you started? Or? I shouldn't I ask you that. <laughs> yes. Wait, it's not Saturday. yet. So right. Isn't that how preachers
1: you, you learn to count to seven <laughs> real fast when you're preaching. I'm kidding, of course, because you, you, you're you a well-prepared
0: pastor. Uh, but anyway, you're going to preach on Psalm 8, and uh, it's all about what is man,
1: right? Yeah. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And who are we in the light of who God is? And that's, that's the point. So, yeah, the title is, What is Man? And we want to get a right view of who we are and, and what we're called to do in this life.
0: So this little video I ran across, um, I, I found this because um, this man, some, some of our people listening will know uh, the TED Talks, a series of videos. A lot of them are very fascinating. And this, this particular man is a composer and it happens to be that the chorale I direct is doing a couple of his arrangements for this spring concert. So I was drawn to kind of look him up. The thing that fascinated me is how entranced he was with, and he used some great musical examples, uh, you saw this, and just talking about remembering and sort of finding that, that place inside of you that's so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if you use the word enchantment, but that, we've, we've kicked that word around a little bit. And, you know, I was struck, number one, if I'm honest, by how much that resonated in my heart and how there have been times where I've experienced music that way, for example. And then immediately I was struck with how devoid of any sense of God that talk can be as well. And I don't know about you, but for me as an artist, as as a musician, that's a
1: real quagmire. Yeah. Uh, Um... I found it intriguing, and moving, so in this talk, he's actually playing music, he's a musician. And there was that one part, so remind me of the particular song, uh, Air Blooming, what's the Yeah, Low How, Low How a Rose Air Blooming. Low How a Rose Air right. Blooming. We'll get you educated. Thank you very days. much. Was put alongside of the more contemporary popular song, do you happen to remember? Uh, the, the Rose, yeah. yeah. The Rose? Yeah. It was breathtaking. Yeah, And his whole point was, notice what's happening in your viscera as you're listening to this. You're being moved, and indeed I was. And so that was a fundamental premise, uh, that we don't need to simply have our minds informed, but our hearts have to be engaged. And mm-hmm. So I'm thinking from a preacher's point of view, indeed, as, as Christians who want to present the gospel in ways that move other people, he's really on to something. But just as you said, no mention of God, mm-hmm. and it was about three quarters of the way through. It, it occurred to me, and, and it's, here's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of a, a kid. I had a friend growing up whose whose dad was a high power lawyer, real wealthy, he owned a Corvette. And his son, my friend, would drive his vet, and he would drive the vet like it belonged to him. He owned it, never giving any credit to his dad. You know, and that's what it felt like yeah, to me. Yeah. He's presenting yeah. all of this beauty and wonder without ever mentioning. The source, Yeah. And, and the goal, the purpose of it all. Yeah. So uh, in front of public, anyone who's listening,
0: I'm now going to ask you, this is a counseling session. All right? I'm a musician, and I'm coming to you as my pastor. All right? And we're going to let everybody else listen in. So at what point, because I think, Chris, if, if you're wired at all as an artist, and it doesn't have to be a musician. It might be a visual artist, yeah. a poet. Um, there's something in the soul of a person who's wired that way that resonates with beauty. Otherwise they probably wouldn't be an artist, right? And to some, to greater and lesser extents, I would say every human has that in them. It's just a matter of how well defined it is. What do you do when you are moved by that kind of beauty as a Christian? And at what point does that being moved become idolatrous right and at what point is it legitimately
1: being moved by God given beauty let's use a, an example that you and I can both relate to early morning first cup of espresso uh, you look out the window and the sun is beginning to shine you know it's just a, a glorious moment we give thanks for the sun we give thanks for the coffee beans for the leather chair in which we're seated you know and we realize that god has provided all of these gifts hmm. the reason why the sun comes up is so that we can raise our heads from our pillow and live for him the reason we uh, enjoy the coffee is so that we can be enlivened in order to you know seek him and serve him so i think we you know calvin talked about secondary causality we we recognize these are real mundane realities that's what we look at that's what we celebrate and We also recognize the Almighty Source, who is the Creator and the 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 one who is using them for His glory. Yeah, was uh, Lewis right? Who said, "You follow the
0: uh, what was his sunbeam illustration, right? You follow the the sunbeam back up to the sun." Yes, uh, which is also Lewis. Lewis was really big. In fact, I I think one of his core assumptions, as I have read Lewis, is this idea of um, signposts that God, Lewis's own autobiography is one of following various dead-end pleasures until he would say he was, he, he was led to God, right? Yes. Um, so is there a sense in which some of these beautiful things really are legitimate as long as we see them as reflections
1: of the ultimate capital B, beauty? Which think, is God himself. Right? I think that's right. It's intended to lead us to God. I think there's also a preparatory nature. So Francis Schaefer used to talk about pre-evangelism, the things we see and experience that awaken our spiritual sensitivities and uh, usher us in the direction of God. That was true in my life. So I was very much in in the business world, sales and inspirational books, and I read some I, I read this book that's really quite heretical, uh, Embraced by the Light." It was on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, it's very unorthodox, but as a, an unchurched person, it opened my eyes to the fact that there is a spiritual dimension. And from there, I started to listen to Robert Schuller, mm. "The Hour of Power" on TV. And I, "Oh look at that. He's talking about similar sorts of things. Now we're getting a little closer. And that's what God used in order to bring me to that place when yeah. I was ready to yeah. hear the gospel.
0: Yeah, and in that you know sometimes we limit God, don't we? We say, well, if he's going to bring a person to faith in Christ, he's going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be this formulaic. And, and God is a lot bigger and more creative than that, isn't he? I mean he, he, has, he has an infinite number of ways to bring
1: people. To that point of really recognizing the truth right yes i think of solomon also in connection with this who was you know pursuing every avenue under the sun and that reflects my own experience on the way to christ as i was being drawn i've told my story before i'm practicing transcendental meditation under the maharishi mahesh yogi and it, but I came up empty when it was all said and done. But it led me to ask new questions that I hadn't asked before. I would attend seminars in Manhattan, hearing lectures by uh, famous gurus, you know, M. Scott Peck and the like, and same kind of a thing. You know, I believe the spirit was using that despite the, the misguided uh, ideas of much of it in, in order to get my attention and, and help me to seek
0: What if we can tie this to uh, Psalm 8. So if God makes man a little lower than the angels, I'm assuming, I'm going to ask you, you're the preacher, not me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming that means that um, it's a really, it's like saying made in the image of God, right? I mean, there's something dignified and special about man.
1: Yeah, and in that context where the psalmist is talking about uh, God's fingers fashioning the universe, it is recognized to be an allusion to Genesis' creation account. So image of God is very uh, central, and and then the idea of having dominion, that's what Adam was called to do, and that's what we uh, do as his offspring. So it's very much this basic identity of humanity As uh, image bearers representing God in the world. So let's let's see if we can tie that to this whole sort of aesthetic question of enjoying
0: beauty, appreciating beauty. Is it is it fair to say that when we appreciate beauty we are in some sense reflecting God's character? I think that's right. I mean God God's a God of beauty right? We read about the beauty of holiness
1: not uh, that must mean something right? Yeah. And that's why, personally, when I talk about our calling in this world, I'm inclined to use the language of embodying and proclaiming. Because there's something about the way we live that hopefully reflects the beauty of God. The the way we listen to others, the way we look them in the eye, the the way we view someone in suffering and we have real compassion and empathy. Uh, You know, you think of those mentors who have inspired you to love Christ more. And those are people who do more than speak truth, yeah, but yeah. but they show you. And I think that is a reflection yeah. of the beauty that comes from God.
0: I, it's funny you say. I'm thinking of somebody right now. If I named him, you would know him well. Uh, but I remember specifically one time meeting him on a sidewalk in front of a building and talking for maybe 10 minutes. And I walked away thinking, that's what it would have felt like to talk to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right. I mean, it, it's all—it's an intangible. You can't always describe what it was about that person.
1: But there's something that, that
0: reflects the, the beauty of God's character.
1: Yeah. A passage that comes to my mind in connection with this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul says, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. And so the idea is you're you're giving your attention to Christ, uh, to particularly to His Word, and the Spirit is using that in order to shape your the countenance mm. of your soul, so that you in some way begin to reflect Him more in the way you think, in, in the way you communicate, and. Um, it's subtle. It's it doesn't lend itself to yeah. scientific. Yeah, I mean, I almost think
0: the more you don't realize it, the more it's probably genuine, right? It, it, it kind of sneaks up
1: on you a little bit. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. I suspect that's right. And so this is this is central to our sanctification, and it very much is about the beauty of God shining through the people of God through the yeah. body of Christ.
0: So. Um, I know as a pastor you're always thinking application so let's go there (laughs) so here we are uh, a Monday or whenever people are listening to this after Sunday what does all that mean what does that mean for walking through this coming week
1: yeah so I was reading a little yesterday and came across this New York Times article how astrology took over the internet it was interesting because growing up as an unchurched person I I was kind of into astrology, used to go to the local stationery store, as we called it, and they had these these cute little scrolls with your horoscope, and I would read them every chance I I had. And very interested in what was the plan for me, and uh, of course it was all about my story and my experience. Well now, they have evidently these astrology apps. Hyper personalized astrology—they call it this language from the article—algorithmically generated insights personalized to your life. Wow! Yeah. So thinking through that, what's going on there? Well, the universe exists—the the movement of the the planets—in uh, order to tell my story, in, mm-hmm. in order to narrate my life. Right. And and so that is the. The way in which uh, one approaches life without a Christian worldview. So I think for us in view of Psalm 8 in particular we are to understand ourselves in the light of God's majesty. We're to first look to the heavens. We're to hear what God says from his word and then uh, begin to understand who we are and what he has called us to do we're we're it's, i've heard some people say it this way we're
0: in his story right yes uh a lot of that's a kind of a buzzword these days right narrative story i think people like that so so we're a part of his story he's not a
1: part of ours we that's don't right. we don't make him fit our story we fit his right? you want to say practical i yeah. mean now let's be honest for a moment as as evangelicals uh how we live life even those of us who are more informed theologically, it's so easy, right, to begin to think about what God's doing for me, in me, through me. And in our evangelical tradition, we use that sort of language, D.L. Moody, this this world is yet to see what God can do, one man wholly yielded to him. Now, on one level, that's fine. We want to be used by God, but it's so subtle Mm -hmm. that we can slip into the center of the universe. And that is a different vision from what Psalm 8 has to say.
0: So uh, practically this week, uh, let's, let's concoct a scenario here where somebody might say, okay, in this particular place I am right now, um, this conflict, this meeting with someone, how could I apply Psalm 8?
1: Yeah. You know, I think one way is to be conscious of how you are narrating your life. When we talk to others, we are very often telling our story in one way or another, recounting what happened here or there. So let me take a very mundane example. I couldn't find uh, a key to one of my vehicles, and it was driving me crazy. So now I'm speaking with a friend later on today, and I am expressing this experience of mine, searching for the key. Um, Well, there's probably a few ways I can do that. You know, I could talk about my frustration, talk about my embarrassment, talk about the places I looked, yada, yada. But I could also talk about how I prayed and also talk about what God's teaching me and my realization of divine sovereignty in the midst of this very mundane thing. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I am signaling that God is the the main uh, subject of this story called life. And my micro-level experiences happen in that larger context. Uh, so that would be one very practical way of, of acknowledging God's place in the world.
0: It's a perspective thing in, in some ways, isn't it? Uh, you're telling the same story. You still lost the key. You still probably got frustrated. <laughs> right, right. But it's how you choose to put that in context and perspective.
1: Because we, we drink the Kool-Aid. We, we just operate according to the world's way of understanding and yep. speaking about the world as though we are here alone on a horizontal plane. No, uh, we're in God's world, and the way we Christians talk about life ought to reflect that in some explicit way. Hmm. Um, So let's go back, Chris, to the first question
0: we had, that little TED Talk video that I found. Um, Let's assume a lot of the same things there. Let's assume a, a gifted musician who is very moved by certain pieces of music and is going to give a talk about that. But this person is a Christian and wants to talk about this and think about this from an explicitly Christian viewpoint. How might that video look different?
1: Well, when I was listening, watching the video, I wondered if the presenter was Christian. Because he, he used some words we would use. Uh, as it relates to transcendence. You know, he had some theological nomenclature. And I should say, just for the record, if somebody, we haven't named this person, right. but if somebody finds
0: it, uh, he may be.
1: That's right. I, I, we don't know. Yeah, that's right, yeah, thank you. Um, but there wasn't any explicit mention of of God, right. as I recall, right. uh, certainly not of Christ. So I think if if you or I were presenting, well, when you, you're the musician, if you were presenting this, I think there would have been opportunity for hints. You know, mm. one of the one, of, one mm. of the things we evangelicals don't do well is subtlety. That's true. Uh, so, you know, we don't want to be quite so predictable and you explicit. You wouldn't have from played a piece and then presented the four spiritual laws. Yeah, 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 right. It doesn't need yeah. to be, you know, a mighty fortress yeah. is the greatest life faithfulness. But there are meaningful allusions to the themes of redemption see that's what we're going after Mm -hmm. god is creator ah now we have this grand meta-narrative there's a problem with humanity it's and it's our brokenness fallenness Mm -hmm. sin and but there's hope we're not left alone god cares right so we're unfolding those themes subtly and carefully subtly and carefully not with a two by four right 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 uh, but we're but we're filling out the picture, we're offering the, the proper narrative that reflects reality vis-a-vis God and humanity and hope, and what does God do about it? Now, uh, this is where you and I insist there needs to be some real reference to Christ and his work. Otherwise, I would say it's not really Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. one might say it's not evangelical, that's true, but uh, even Christian. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, we don't want to hit them over the head with a two-by-four. And it
0: might be a progressive presentation. It might not be you get it all in one in one dose.
1: Right? Well, and that would be my inclination. Yeah. So we're unfolding the, um, the lovely contours of divine mercy and grace. And then at the end, we have opportunity to share a, a poem or a lyric that makes some reference to the... The shed blood Mm -hmm. of the Savior Mm -hmm. and you leave them there so they have this vision that has developed their hearts are hopefully you know beating in sync with with the the wonder of who God is and his grace and then they're left with a word about how exactly God has done it Uh, he's done it through the the shed blood of his only son And resurrection. I
0: was thinking about one of the phrases that this gentleman used, uh, and I know you picked up on it too. The the knocking on our souls, uh, oh, uh, yeah. something like that, you know. And that's that's a perfect place, isn't it, to say again, maybe not to give the whole store away at one place at one time, but to say how often we experience that knocking, and we misidentify yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, who is that knocking? Um, you know. And I think the presentation just sort of let it hang, and so you get this sense that it's some disembodied love force, uh, you know. And I think that's sort of where we begin to part ways, isn't it? Yes. Um, Where we're, we're sort of we're sort of feeling the same thing, right? But we're not naming it the same thing.
1: I, I told you when, after you sent it to me that it, it sort of reminded me of the Pilgrim's Progress where you have these these interesting characters who uh, show up and they you know have something meaningful to say about the celestial city, but they they're unable to point in the right direction mm-hmm. and that was the feel I had here. He was pointing to things that were real and and actually are uh, the the substance of our hope, but the way he was presenting it Uh, was misguided. And that's where Christian witness is so imperative.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Day After Sunday. We'd love to have you worship with us at New Covenant Church this Sunday morning at 1030 at the corner of South Washington and 75th Street in Naperville.
1: And please join us next week for The Day After Sunday.